Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. us here tonight uh, to the gospel of mark chapter number six gospel of mark chapter number six and i want to begin reading with verse 45 i may feel differently in about five or ten minutes but right now it wouldn't offend me at all if you guys turn those air conditioning units down just a little. Praise God. Amen. I'm just about to catch frostbite. It's hard to know what to do this time of year. Uh, well, I don't know. It's supposed to be winter time. It isn't acting like it, but on occasion. Praise God. Not being very consistent. Mark chapter number 6 and verse 45 and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people and when he had sent them away he departed into a mountain to pray and when even was come the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land and he saw them toiling and rowing for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And when he w went up unto them and to the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And I want to direct your attention back to verse 49, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. And then the Bible uses in verse 50 the words, And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. I'm going to reserve uh, revealing what my title is. It's not anything very deep tonight, but I, I want to just hold back and give that a little bit later. But we need His blessing upon the Word of the Lord. We need His blessing on the continuation of this service. I thank God for His touch that we've already felt, but I believe that He's got more for us tonight. Amen? So would you pray with me for the anointing of the Word to our hearts? Jesus, we thank You so much for another opportunity to be in Your house. Thank You again for visiting us in the worship service as You have. Thank You, God, for the anointing that we feel. I pray it continue upon this service. Let Your hand of favor be upon this message tonight and upon the things that follow in jesus name we pray and everybody say amen 
Oh, come on, say it where everybody can hear you. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, and you may be seated. So I recently, like a lot of you, went out and purchased one of these fitness watches. And uh, I mean, this thing is amazing. I didn't know that uh, watches had all these different features that they do. There's all kinds of widgets and gadgets and gizmos that they have on it. The particular one that I purchased, it'll count your steps, which I know that uh, that's no big deal. People's been using those for years. And uh, what an amazing thing it is to know that this thing can actually count a person's steps and you have a goal of how many steps you want to take in a day and and all of that's figured out and adjusted and and it'll tell you when you reach your goal and that's that's amazing to me mine monitors your heart rate it uh, gauges the distances via GPS matter of fact I heard on Fox radio uh, here a couple of weeks ago that the GPS and these kind of gadgets has been used to solve crimes or to pinpoint people's locations. And so we've got GPSs just about in everything, but it, it can gauge the distance that you jog or walk or travel. And uh, it can even, if you download the app and get it all adjusted just right, it can even, I haven't done this because I'm usually trying to escape this as much as possible, but it can receive text, it can receive text. Now, I don't know what you're going to do while you're exercising, how you're going to answer those texts, but at least you could be alerted to the fact that you have one. And I suppose it can do a whole lot of other things. The man that sold me the watch said they had other ones that could tell and gauge the altitude and how, how much you went up and down in altitude, like if you was in the mountains, I suppose, hiking that type of thing, I said, well, I don't need anything that radical. I don't, I don't depend, I, I'm not looking forward to uh, going to Mount Everest or anything, but uh, just wanted some things to, to gauge uh, and set goals with and be able to help me uh, to maintain all of that. And then it saves it down. It's just, I mean, this thing can do everything but pay your taxes for you. Balance your checkbook. I mean, it's, it's got it all. And it had a, a feature that, uh, admittedly, when it when it happened, I was taken aback. I, I didn't realize it was even on, or it was a part of the the deal, and and that I'd purchased one that had this. But I'm relaxing in my recliner, and all of a sudden I hear the thing go off, and I look down and displayed across the the screen there, on the display of my watch. I look and I see in big bold letters the word "move" with an exclamation mark. I admitted my first my first response was not good. I thought I'd pay all this money to get preached to every time I sat down in a recliner. And then I got to looking around for the setting, you know, to try to turn the thing off. And I realized that it has a move alert setting that is there. And then I thought to myself, why am I mad? Why am I aggravated? Because I just got a message out of this. And when you get to preaching for several years, you look for messages everywhere. You look for them on the back of cereal boxes, driving down the road, everything you read, everything you see, you just wonder if God may be speaking to you through it. But we mistakenly feel that God will respond to us on the basis merely of our need. 
And I want to be very clear tonight that God is concerned, and I don't believe that anybody is any more compassionate to our needs. The Bible said that at one point the Lord just looked and saw the crowd that was there, and he was moved with compassion. So I want you to understand tonight that God does have feelings for your need. He has compassion, and he is aware, and I believe with out of doubt, he is concerned about every need that exists in this place. But as I have stated many times, that a need alone and by itself is not enough to get God's attention in, in getting God to move and to work and to perform a miracle in that particular situation. Because if a need was enough, well, if that's what triggered God's response, then many of us would not have needs for as long as we have. We would not be carrying the same burdens. We wouldn't have the same struggles and the same situations that arise in our life. But uh, this really is proven in our text tonight. And I want to just give you a little backdrop of this story. We know that this is just after, what I read to you is just after one of the greatest miracles in the Lord's ministry, and that is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And it was a great undertaking how that the Lord took the five loaves and two fish of the lad's lunch and blessed it, break it, and then he commanded his disciples to distribute. And when they did, that whole multitude that was gathered there was fed and satisfied. They were completely full. Every need was met. And then there was 12 baskets full that remained over and above what was needed, telling us that our God is an abundant God. God doesn't just have enough, or He doesn't work just, just in limitations like we think of them, but God is abundant he works in excesses. He has more than enough to take care of our need. We ought to rejoice in that. We ought to thank God. Whatever prayer requests that you have, whatever, whatever thing you're asking God for, whatever you've prayed about and God has done, I'm going to promise you, you didn't wear God out. You didn't stretch God. You didn't make God wonder if he had enough power to take care of the situation. But God didn't sweat it in the least little bit. God has more where that came from because he's an abundant God. Amen. I said he's an abundant God. But when, when, when you see these kind of things happen and you are a witness to it, I mean, as you, you think about it, you put yourself in these disciples' shoes for just a moment. Had you been in a church service, it would be amazing to be in a church service where there was 5,000. It, it would be amazing just being in a church service where the Lord was teaching in flesh and blood before you. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then to be there in a service of 5,000 people and every one of them having the same need. And that need was supplied over and above. There was 12 baskets full that remained. You would say that was a pretty good day. You would say that was a red-letter service. I mean, how can you top that? And we have the tendency because... We think in the finite, we think as, as human beings, and we use our own human logic sometimes to try to reason and figure things out. And so we think, well, if this is where God's moving, I want to stay right here. I mean, if this is where the miracles are happening, then I, I just want to stay in this 
place. I mean, this is where revival is at. There's no sense in going any further or doing any more or stretching beyond this. We've been waiting for this kind of move for a long time. Believe we'll just stay right here. And possibly that was the attitude that the disciples had because the Bible says this in our text in verse 45, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side. They, that, that just is a little hint. I know it's not a direct statement and we don't know everything for certain, but that just gives me a little hint that possibly they didn't want to go to the other side. Possibly they didn't want to leave this place where the miracles were taking place. Possibly they didn't want to go any further. They didn't want to move. I mean, we've been waiting for this, praying for this, and believing for this, and we've been excited to see something like this, and finally this great miracle happens, and you're immediately after it's all said and done wanting us to get into a ship and go to the other side of the sea. And this alone defies all logic. I mean, in all of our understanding of things, this is miracle land. This is where it's happening. This is where it's taking place. Why would we move? But that brings me to my first point tonight, and it is the first thing that you need to understand about serving God is the supernatural stops where we become stagnant, where, where we become static and we stand still and we stop moving and progressing in our relationship with God and stop being obedient to God and stop following after God. And sometimes we misinterpret faithfulness with being fixed. Amen. And that's not necessarily what faithfulness is, but faithfulness is following and being obedient to God and His Word and being led by His Spirit. That's how we're faithful to God. It's not just by being fixed, uh, amen, but it's by consistently following after Him. The Bible explains it this way. It said, be steadfast, amen. That means to be steady and consistent, unmovable, amen. That almost seems like something is contradicting, but then it almost goes a little further in its contradiction by saying always abounding. Hallelujah. What is it saying? There's some things that you don't need to put up for debate. There's some things that you don't need to move your position on. But there's other things you better be willing to follow the Holy Ghost in. You better always be willing to grow in your relationship with God. You always need to have a hunger to go a little further in your relationship with God. Don't ever become static because when you become static, that's where the supernatural stops. Praise the Lord. But faith is motion. The Bible talks about us walking by faith. Amen. We pray with faith. We worship in faith. We work for God in the faith that God will bless it. All of this requires movement on our part. People get stuck, and, and I'm here as a preacher tonight as your, as your alert to move and, and to move forward, and that's what we're going to do this next year. We don't want to become static. We don't want to become dissatisfied. We don't want to become that, that one that sits back on their laurels and says, well, I'm thankful for everything God has done, and he's done so many great things for me that I don't need anything more, but I want to be reaching and pursuing and hungry for a fresh new touch 
from God because I realize the only way that I can grow in God, amen, the only way that I can really stay alive, the only way that I can be always abounding is to keep an appetite for the things of the Lord, keep a desire for the things of the Lord, keep a hunger for the things of the Lord. Can you say amen? But, but, people get, but, but people get stuck for many different reasons. First of all, they try to live in the past. We call it nostalgic. And they become nostalgic. And there's two views that people sometimes adapt uh, when thinking about the past, and neither one of them is appropriate. First of all, in their minds, some people, the past is just something that's bad and something that they're, they're always trying to push away and they don't want to have anything to do with. And that's not really... That's not a good view of the past because there's always something that can be learned from our experiences. There's always something we can glean from, from whatever has happened to us in life, as horrible as it may be. There's always something we can take from it, and it may be to prevent it from happening again. And so we don't need to just completely disregard the past and uh, not learn anything from it. And then there's the other view of the past being so great that it's unrealistic and people want to stay in it and want to relive it constantly all the time. And their only function becomes what is familiar to them. And uh, they, they, they don't reach for anything more because in their minds it can never be greater than the past. I'm going to tell you that's not an appropriate biblical view in your relationship with God. That's not the attitude that any one of us is to have. But the Bible said we're to go from glory to glory and faith to faith. That tells me as good as God has been, there's greatness ahead of me. There's better things that I can see and experience in God. No matter how fantastic, no matter how wonderful, no matter how glorious the past has been. And right here in this church, we've seen God do some magnificent things. And over the years, this church and its history has seen some marvelous miracles. And we've seen some milestones achieved that we give glory to God for. Amen. But we don't want to become stuck there. We want to use that as leverage to go forward and say, God, let this catapult us. Help us to stand, amen, with this knowledge and with this understanding and with these great revelations that we've received and great victories that we have won and help us to go forward into the future of what you have promised because you have us here for a purpose. You have us here for a reason. There's a reason why you haven't came back yet. That means there's more opportunity for revival. There's more opportunity for souls. There's somebody else that God wants us to reach. There's somebody else that God wants to pour His Spirit out upon. There's somebody else that needs to be baptized in Jesus' name. And there's many of you that He wants to answer some more prayers for you. Hello. He wants to do a greater work in your life. Oh, somebody ought to grab a hold of that and say, Preach, preacher. Amen. I believe that. I don't believe God's done working in my life. I don't believe the door's closed for opportunity in my life. I believe the door's wide open. The potential is here. There's greater things that God wants to do. God's not through using you. God's not through anointing you. He's got a fresh anointing. He's got a fresh blessing. He's got something else that He wants to do in your life. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I, 
uh, I, I was thinking of, you know, you, this time of year, you always take a little inventory. If you, if you don't, you're probably not normal, but you take a little inventory and, and you start thinking about things. And there's two times, I guess, that personally I do that, and that's at the first of the year and also every time I have a birthday. I turned 40 years old, looked in the mirror and said, oh, boy, you're fixing to go down some pounds. And it hadn't been easy, I'll tell you that, because I was over there with Brother Lambeth in Brazil, and he said, boy, one thing about you, you like to eat, don't you? I said, well, thanks. He didn't say I was a great preacher. He didn't say, man, you're a spiritual man. He said, you like to eat. I said, well, you got that right. Good thing is you guys don't have much to eat down here. Praise God. So anyway, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you there's times when we take inventory. And for myself, that's, that's just one of those things that take certain inventory. And, and so I begin to examine things that need to be adjusted, things that need to be taken care of. And, and, uh, and, and I got to thinking, man, I hope that the greatest days of ministry are not behind I hope that the greatest messages and the greatest revelations from God and the greater understanding of His Word and experiences in God, amen, uh, been blessed most, as most of you to see God do some wonderful things. But I don't want to live just with the past in view. I want to live looking forward to what God's going to do ahead and, and what's before us. Amen. Even the Apostle Paul lived with this forward view. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are by." Now, I'm going to tell you, this man had seen some great victories. He had seen some wonderful things happen. He had had some extreme highs in God, if you could say it that way. Some wonderful miracles had taken place in his ministry. Churches started. Revivals happening. Great things occurring. He he had been used of the Lord, but he said, you know what? I'm still striving for something more. I'm reaching. I'm pressing for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and I haven't obtained it. I've come a long ways from what I used to be, but I haven't obtained it yet, and I'm still moving forward to it. I'm still going in that direction, and that's simply what I want to preach here tonight is the one word, move. Amen. we got to move, and we got to move in the right direction. we got to move towards God. Amen. We've got to have some motion in, in our walk with God that is forward and saying, God, I'm not always going to look over my shoulder and regret and guilt and shame, but God, I'm reaching for what you have in store for me in the future. Amen. Would you worship the Lord with me right now? And then there's, then there's those that, that get get stuck blaming others get get stuck blaming others just like the man at the pool of bethesda he had been there all of those many years decades and every time that the water was troubled somebody else beat him in the pool and when jesus come by the one that troubles the water and said wilt thou be made whole he said i have no man you know what? I'm not going to belabor the point tonight. I'm not going to stay on this a long time. But why don't, if there's anything that disgrates on me, is somebody not re- taking responsibility for their actions. Is that anybody else's pet peeve? I mean, you know, we can blame everybody for everything all your life and, and never get nowhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it may well be somebody else's fault that you end up in a situation. But it's your fault if you stay there. 
I said, it's your fault. I found out for my own self personally, it's my fault if I stay and wallow in that. I got to get up. I, I'm the one that has control of that. I don't have control over everything that happens to me, but I have control of how I respond to it, how I react to that. Praise the Lord. And I'm not going to live my life blaming somebody else why I can't get a blessing, why I can't be used of God and blaming this and blaming that. If my, my, uh, my, my, my uh, dad wasn't like this, my mom wasn't like that, and this wasn't happening, and that wasn't going on, and I didn't have this handicap and that problem, that situation. Come on now. Realize that if it's to be, it's up to me. Take responsibility in 2017. Come on, take some responsibility and say, you know what? Me and God can change this. It's mostly going to be God, but it's going to be me yielding to God. And as long as you have the mindset that it's somebody else, you can never, never, ever yield to what God has for you. Somewhere along the way, you got to say, oh boy, it's just up to you and me. God, I am going to allow you to work in my life. I'm going to allow you to have your way in my life, but I'm going to take the initiative. I am going to take responsibility. I'm going to discipline myself to do whatever necessary to follow God. Amen. I'm going to cut myself off from whatever I've got to cut myself off from. I'm going to make the changes that i got to make, but I'm going to take responsibility for myself. Because I can never get ahead blaming somebody else. Praise the Lord. And then other people get stuck because their expectations are, are too low. Come on, talk to you about this. The Bible talks about a man that was stuck at the gate, beautiful, that led into the temple and had been there again for a long time and carried there by his friends because that's as far as they could carry him. And he'd watch people walk in, maybe having a sad countenance, walk out happy. So he knew something good was going on in the house of God, but he was limited. He couldn't go there. He couldn't get beyond the gate. He was stuck there. And the Bible says that when people came in, he, he would beg of alms of them. And when Peter and John came, he looked upon them, fastening his eyes upon them, the Scripture says, expecting. His prob problem was not the lack of expectations, but it was low expectations. It was only expecting so much. I don't really expect to be healed. I just expect to survive. I don't expect to, to be made whole. I don't expect to ever enter in myself. But to all you fellas that have that privilege, you'll have a little mercy on me. After all, you're going to visit God. You're going into God's house. Maybe you could have a little compassion on somebody else that isn't able to go there. And the law forbids to go any further than this beautiful gate. And you'll just have compassion on me. And he had a mentality of just getting by, just surviving, just living out. Uh, an existence just just going from one day to the next uh, and how many knows that that's not really what life god has intended for us that's not the attitude that we need to adopt uh, that's not the spirit that we need to allow to get a hold of us uh, but we need to have an attitude god if you're able to do anything come on now help me preach this a little bit if you're able to do anything, why am I setting my sights too low? Why am I only expecting this? If you're able to answer any prayer, why is it that I only believe that you can do so much and I set limits on how much I pray for 
and how much I believe for. And I believe you could do this, but I don't believe that you could do that. Or I believe you could do it for somebody else, but I really have low expectations when it comes to you doing it for me. I'm going to tell you, God's not a respecter of persons. If he's done it for anybody, he can do it for you. Amen. You need to raise your expectation level. Come on, every time we come to the house of God, there needs to be an expectation level when we step on these premises that, hey, this is God's house. God's here. Anything can happen. Souls can be saved. Folks can be delivered. People can be set free. Lives can be changed. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to raise it up just a little bit. Raise your sights up a little bit. Believe God for some things that you've not been willing to believe in before. Amen. And trust Him for in the past. Praise the Lord. Somebody wave your hand to Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me see how many steps I got. 7,235. 68%. Amen. I got a lot of preaching left. Praise God. Hallelujah. But but because we get stuck and we want to stay in that place of familiarity, the Lord has to constrain us as he did his disciples. Now, to be constrained is to be placed in a, in a tight position, a tight place. Jesus constrained them. It suggests that it wasn't their will to go, but it was his will. And here's another thing that this seems like a total contradiction. It says that he sent them headlong into a storm, and a storm that threatened their very existence, a storm that threatened their lives. And this is the second thing that you need to understand about serving God is when you're in his will, it doesn't mean that there's going to be the absence of trials and storms and there's going to be no troubles. It's just going to be smooth sailing. You need to understand that. We can misinterpret a storm as meaning that we must be out of the will of God and we can also misinterpret a calm and things going well as though we are in the will of God. I know a lot of people that appear like life, they got it, I mean, they got the tiger by the tail. I mean, it seems like they got it going on. But that doesn't mean they're in the will of God. It doesn't mean that someday it won't catch up to them. Amen? Because the Bible said, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So I don't know when, when the harvest is going to come, but it's going to come. I don't know when you're going to receive the fruit of what you planted, but you will receive the fruit of what you planted. And sometimes as children of God, we, we die out in the process or we wane and we, we get impatient in the process. But we really just need to believe in the law of God and His Word. And that is that His Word is forever settled. And if He said in the law of the harvest that I am going to receive and I'm going to be able to get the fruit of whatever I plant and whatever I put in the ground, then I just need to trust God. Amen. And keep living and being faithful to God and keep following after Him. And someday He's going to come through. Amen. It may not happen overnight. We want to put our prayers in the incubator. We want things to, to hasten. We want things to speed up. We want, we want things to happen quickly, but it doesn't always happen like that. He said in his word, he said, if you heard of the man Job and the patience of Job, God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to help us to understand. They that wait upon the Lord. 
Amen. The Bible didn't say they they that hasten are going to mount up with wings as eagles. Those that get in a hurry and go ahead and put the wings on are going to be able to fly. But they that wait upon the Lord. Amen. He's going, he's going to give them a renewed strength. He's going to give them the power that they need. To mount up with wings as eagles. Amen. They, they shall walk and not go weary. They shall run and not faint. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord. The strength that you need is in the presence of God. Don't get in a hurry when it comes to the presence of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's really worship Him right now. Yeah, we, we, can, we, we can mistake and misinterpret good times. You know, just let the good times roll. It's going good. I must be doing everything right. No, 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 no. Acts 27, Paul said, I don't think we ought to be going on this ship in this direction. This, this, this is not a good time to be doing that. Matter of fact, the Lord has shown me that, that there's going to be much loss if we go this direction, if we do this. But they chose to listen to the master of the ship or the captain of the ship, the Scripture says. And because there was a wind that was blowing out of the south softly, the Scripture says they mistook that as being a sign that everything was going their way. Amen. Now, you can't be snared by that. You can't be be trapped into believing that just because everything's going smoothly and softly for me right now that I'm in the will of God. we got to make sure that we're moving and progressing in the right direction. And we're following after God and being obedient to Him with our faith. That's one of the ways that our faith is exercised above all else is our willingness to obey God when He speaks to us. Willingness to obey His Word. Come on now. Sometimes finding the will of God is just easy as cracking this book open and reading it and studying it for yourself. You don't need, a, you don't need somebody to come by and tell you uh, what your last name is and they've never met you before to give you a word. Get in that word right there. It'll tell you how you need to live. I said it'll tell you what you need to do. It'll tell you what your next move needs to be. Praise God. And so we understand that, that we can misinterpret a trial or a storm or even the other way around, a calm or a situation where there's no storms as to thinking that we, we're, we're, we, we got it going on or we're, we must be out of the will of God or in the will of God, whichever the case may be. But God is not controlled by atmosphere like we are. Amen. God is not bound to environments like we are. God works outside of that. He's not even bound to time like we are. He doesn't even look and view time like you and I do. We're in a hurry because we know that our time is limited. But God, he, he doesn't look and view time like you and I view time. Amen. And so his schedule is different from ours. And we've got to get on the same page as God. And the only way we can do that is by being sensitive to His Spirit because we'll never get there in human logic. The third thing you need to understand is if you, if He told you, rather, to do it, He will be there when you need Him to be. He sent them into a storm. I'm sure they're scratching their head and saying, man, we, we was over there in Miracle Land feeding of the 5,000, 12 baskets left over. I mean, the Lord was moving. Things was happening. Great revival, great crowds, great everything. 
And here we got sent out in the sea. We didn't want to go in the first place. And look at this. I mean, if he knows all things, he sent us right headlong into a storm. And why in the world are we in this? But I'm going to tell you what they weren't taking into account was the fact that if God ever asked you to do something, he'll never ask you to do something that he won't help you to be a success in. He'll never ask you to do something that he wants you to fail at or that he will not help you and enable you or give you the grace that is necessary to finish it and to do it. Praise the Lord. And he'll be there at the specific time that you need him to be there. He'll show up when you need him most desperately. And the Bible says he saw them the whole time rowing and toiling and maybe they were bailing water and wrestling with the mask and and uh, maybe there were some that was clenched tight fisted to the side of the ship and said oh my and maybe there was some that was even getting seasick wondering what they was going to do and they were upset and they were crying and, and wondering what was going on and why in the world were they sent out into this storm and he saw and he was taking notice of all of that and the Bible said he comes he comes to them walking or comes to the area where they're at walking on the sea. Amen. He is available when we need him. I said he's available when we need him. Sometimes the devil tries to blind us. He tries to get us looking at things that we don't need to be looking at. What I mean is looking and surveying the storm and the situation and focused on that and the torment that's in our life and the trial that we're going through and get us to focus on that instead of on Jesus and his ability to help us out in this situation and rescue us in this time when we have a desperate need of God. Amen. There was a time when the Bible said that Peter looked at the wind and, and looked at looked at the surroundings and I've always looked at that scripture and said my God how do you look at wind I mean I've never seen any wind before I've seen the effects of wind I've seen things driven by the wind I've seen trees bowed over because of the wind I've seen waves tossed because of the wind I've seen dirt kicked up because of the wind I don't believe I've ever just seen the wind by itself or air by itself I don't have that good eyes amen but what it really meant was he was seeing the effects of, and he got to looking at that instead of looking at Jesus and he sank I'm going to tell you if the devil can ever get your focus on your problem instead of on the one that's able to remedy your problem the one that's able to heal you, the one that's able to deliver you, the one that's able to work a miracle for you, that he has won the battle. Amen. And that's what he tries to do. He tries to distract you in the midst of a great miracle that is taking place in your life. He wants to get you off base, off target. Amen. Thinking about something else, focused on something else, how bad the situation is. Pitying yourself when if you could only put your faith in God and keep moving towards Him, God will work to give you a miracle in your life. Oh, if you believe that, why don't you clap your hands with me and give Him praise right now. Then, then the scripture says something very interesting here. And it just clearly states it. It says, and he would have passed by them. That, that doesn't seem right. I mean, here we are in distress. Here we are in trouble. These are the closest followers that he has. 
not only followers, but I mean, there's a relationship here. There's a friendship here. There's a bond here. And he would pass them by. And I'm going to tell you, that's no different than it is for any one of us. It's no different than it is for us as a church. As much as we need God and his touch and his anointing and his blessings and we need his involvement in what we're doing. Just the fact that we're in need, again, doesn't get it done. It doesn't attract God into the place. It doesn't bring his presence. Amen. But there's over and over again substantial evidence in the Scripture that proves that God is looking for us to respond in an appropriate way to get his attention and to attract his presence. Amen. He said, I live where? In Judah. And Judah means praise. He said, I'll be found there in the midst of those that are praising me and worshiping me. Some, some say, well, I don't understand why you're so fanatical about praising and worshiping and responding to the Word of God. I'll tell you why. It's because I understand that's what brings God's presence. Amen. That's what brings His glory into a place. Amen. It's, just not, it's not just because we erect a building, we call a service that He shows up. We, we have no guarantees of that, but we have a guarantee in the Word of God. It doesn't matter if it's here or out underneath the brush harbor. If there's somebody that will praise Him, He'll show up. If there's somebody in a ramshackle building somewhere that will give him glory. He'll be there in the midst of them, the Bible says. Oh, yeah, somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. And so we, we understand that he would have passed them by, but they cried out, and then you find right there in verse... The next verse, it says that immediately he began to talk with them. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Immediately he began to comfort them once they cried out to him, once they called upon him. So the message tonight is simply this. God doesn't move until we move. God does not respond until we respond to him. He's already set things in motion in his word. If we'll be obedient to it, if we'll follow it, if we'll have the faith, and if we'll do the things this word commands us to do and challenges us to do, if we'll fulfill those things, then God will respond. He's bound by his word to do so. We have the promise of the word of God that he will do it. And the scripture says in James 4 and 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. In other words, I can't just sit here and say, God, I need you, I need you. But i got to start making progress towards God. i got to praise Him. I've got to do whatever I must do in crying out to Him. i got to get through whatever pride or barriers of the flesh that there may be. i got to get through every hindrance of my mind that may be there, every barrier that's been erected in my spirit to, that may hinder me from getting to God. i got to move in that direction to remove that thing and go towards Him and say, God, I'm doing my part so that you can do yours. I'm 
responding so that you can respond to me. I'm drawing nigh to you. And as I take steps towards you, I know you're going to take steps towards me. As I begin to worship you, I know you're going to begin to make your way towards me. You're going to work in my life. We see it in the Word of God. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 and verses 20, 21. We've got it on the board if somebody could get it for me. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, 20 and 21. This, just to set the background up, this is when Jehoshaphat is in a major jam. And the Bible says that the enemy has surrounded him. And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And you know what Judah means. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, that didn't seem like the best battle plan to those that had experience in forming armies and being a general and had any war history. That wouldn't seem like the thing to do, to put singers out. I mean, to put praisers out, to put musicians out on the front line. Matter of fact, that seems like that would be notifying the enemy of your position. But he said, I want you to go ahead and put the singers and the musicians and the praisers out on the front lines and you start worshiping. And I know that you're surrounded by an enemy, but I want you to see what I'm able to do when you begin to praise. And by praising me, you're showing your trust in me. And that's what we do when we come to the house of God and we begin to praise the Lord we're showing God this is bigger than I am but it's not bigger than you are this situation is greater and it's out of my control but I know you're well in control and I know you're able to heal I know you're able to deliver you're able to answer my prayer you're able to save my family you're able to bless in this terrible situation whatever the case may be I'm just going to praise you I'm going to tell you when problems come that's not a time to shut your mouth I wish I had somebody help me preach tonight. Amen. It's not a time to sit back and say, well, I just give in. I surrender. That's all I can do. I can't do no more. There's nothing I can do about it. That's a time when, like never before. You need to stand up. Uh, let your voice be heard and say, God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to glorify you. If discouragement can shut you up, the devil's going to load you down with it. If disappointment can cause you to grow quiet, the devil's going to make sure you have a lot of disappointments. But if he ever understands, the more I attack them, the more they praise me. I may have them surrounded, but that has never stopped them from singing and rejoicing and praising God in faith. Oh, somebody, let's praise the Lord together. I mean, logic says you send the bowmen, you send the spearmen, you send the swordsmen. They sent the praisers. We can learn something from that. Go ahead and stand with me. Amen.
Paul and Silas, Acts 16. I mean, this, this is a situation where they are doing again the will of God, yet there's a trial, and it's turned physical. It's not just something mental. I'm sure it had mental effects upon them, but they've been beaten until their backs, their stripes on them. And in chapter 16, verse 26, if we can put it on the screen, the Bible said at midnight they begin to praise and they begin to worship God. And the Bible said, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I think that's significant. God's able to get to the root of this thing. God's able to go down deep as he needs to. He's able to get to the heart of it. Hallelujah. The heart of your trouble, the heart of your situation. God's able to get down to the foundations of it and shake the very things that seem formidable and impossible in your life. And immediately, look at that word, all. Everybody say all. All the doors were open. And everybody say this next word, every. Everyone's bands were loosed. You know what that tells me? That tells me something we need to understand here in this church. If the saints will get loose, I said if the saints will ever get loose, there'll be sinners that are able to get loose. I said if the saints will ever start praising God like they need to, won't be any problem for people to get the doors open in their life and the bands to fall off in their life and the chains to be severed in their life. Amen. But everyone's bands were loose and all the doors were open. Praise God. It's time that everybody get involved in this and move a little bit and say, God, I wanted to be obedient to your work. It may not feel like it. You think those fellas felt like praising God and singing? Matter of fact, it was the wrong time of the day. Hallelujah. Some of you think, well, we can't do it on Sunday morning. I mean, Sunday morning, shoo, I'm tired. I've been up late on Saturday night. I got a remedy for that. And and I, I, I'm, I've been, I, I, I just save all my energy for Sunday night. I don't know where it went tonight, but I mean, normally, I save all my energy for Sunday night. And uh, I, I just, you know, I'm a Sunday night saint. And that's when I come to worship God. Or, you know, whatever the timing is. This is just not the time. This is not the time in the service. I'm going to tell you what. It's always a good time to praise God. And you always have a good time praising God. I said it's always a good, it's always appropriate. Hallelujah. If you want to see somebody affected, you want to see people in, you know what our responsibility is in this church is create an atmosphere with our worship where people can get loose. Amen. And when we get loose and we don't let things bind us up, then then they'll be set free. Then they'll be delivered. Then God will move in their life. Amen. Why don't we practice that just a little bit right now? Why don't somebody just get loose in the Holy Ghost just a little bit? Just somebody praise the Lord like you know how to praise Him right now. Come on, if you ever get static, that's where the supernatural stops. It seemed like, seemed like everything in our world today is motion sensitive. I mean, I, I was in a restroom the other day. Walked up, hear something running behind me, and I jumped. It was a paper towel coming out. 
got too close to the paper towels. I guess it just kept on running, filled up on the ground. If I just kept standing there moving. Walk up to the sink. Put your hand. You don't no knobs on the sink. Put your hands underneath there. There they go. Starts flowing. And you know what? To keep it flowing, I found out you got to keep moving. Stop moving. Stops flowing. There you go. Amen. You say, well, I don't know why God's quit blessing and why God's quit moving and why God's not anointed. Maybe it's because you stopped moving. Amen. You'll keep moving. If you'll keep doing what you're supposed to do, God will keep doing what He's supposed to do. God will keep working like He's supposed to work. We sit back in our spiritual recliners and we get an alert. Move! And sometimes it's offensive to us But you know what? That's exactly what we need to do. If we intend on reaching our goals, if we intend on being blessed in 2017, we can't sit back and expect, amen, not to move in God's will, not to be obedient in God's will. we got to move with God and flow in the Spirit. So when I'm I'm dried up in my spirit, I'm parched. I I don't know what's happened. It doesn't seem like it's moving and flowing like it. Come on, maybe you need to move. Maybe you need to move and let God work. Could we reach out to the Lord right now? Come on, I'm going to open these altars in just a moment. Make 2017 the year that you move out of doubt, that you move out of unbelief, that you move out of the status quo. Make 2017 the year that you move out of just being complacent going through the motions marking time as a Christian make it the year that you move into the blessings of God the anointing and the touch of God that you desire it's up to you it's in your hands tonight I'm opening these altars. If somebody wants to come, is there somebody that's hungry? Is there somebody that says, God, I'll step out. I'll move. I'll flow with it. I'll, I'll go as you, as you open the door, as you make the way. I'll move and be obedient to you. I'll do whatever you ask of me. I'll face whatever challenge you ask me. If I know you're on my side, if I know you're with me, if I know you're going to be there to fight with me, God, I I don't have anything to fear. I don't have to fear the future. I'm just going to move out into it. I'm just going to trust you for it. I'm going to believe you, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, reach out to him right now, church. Come on, let's reach out to him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe reach over to somebody else and let's pray together with them. Let's believe God together with them. Oh, yes, we're going to move together in 2017. We're going to be together as a church and as a family of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.